Our text this morning is John chapter 10, or excuse me, John chapter 7. I don't know why I said 10. John 7, verse 40 through 43. John 7, 40 through 43. And the title of this message today is Divided Over Jesus. Divided Over Jesus. People are divided today for many reasons. There is a great, great divisions that exist among people, sometimes even in our own household, our own family, our own church, in our nation. Among the nations of the world, great divisions over a multitude of things. And I can't help but wonder how will those issues that we are so divided over really look in about a thousand years? Or 10,000 years. One of the Puritans prayed, Oh God, stamp eternity on my eyeballs so that when I look at things, I can see them in light of eternity and not just in the short run. I can think, what will this mean in 10,000 years? Will it have any effect at all? There is one thing that will have great significance in about 10,000 or 10 million years. And that is, what did you do with Jesus? What think ye of Christ? So we're going to look today at this passage where there was a great division among the people because of Jesus. Some said one thing about him and some said another. Some viewed him one way and some another. And if that was true then, when he was right here in the flesh on planet earth, walking and talking and speaking and healing... If there was even such a wide diversity of opinion then, it's only gotten worse today now that he's been gone a couple of thousand years and now that he's no longer here personally. So let's read our text, then we'll share a few thoughts, and then we'll have communion together. John 7, verse 40 Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. So many said one thing and others said another thing and some said something still different. They were divided over Jesus. Not everybody loves the Lord Jesus Christ. Not everybody knows him. Not everybody values him. We won't win everybody to Christ. We won't please everybody if we preach the gospel of Christ. Not everybody will come over to our side. It was the case in Jesus' day when he was here. Some hated him. Some scoffed at him. The Jewish leaders couldn't deny his miracles. In fact, in John 11, he raises Lazarus from the dead, and the 
Somebody goes and tells the Pharisees, and the Pharisee says, this man is doing a lot of miracles. And if we leave him alone, the Romans are going to come and take away our nation and our place. So let's kill him. Wait a minute. He's doing all these miracles? He's the Messiah? And your only conclusion is you've got to kill him so the Romans don't come and take away your power? I'd say the Jewish leaders miserably failed the Jewish people. Would you agree with that? They had this power structure. The Pharisees were men of great position and great notoriety. And and now here comes a simple Nazarene, a carpenter. But he speaks the truth and it cuts through the sham of the Pharisees. And they hate him for it. And the Romans, they saw him as a rabble rouser, uh, an impediment to Roman peace. Multitudes started following him, and they know this can't be good. The people are getting whipped up into some kind of religious frenzy, and so we've got to quell this movement. We've got to stop this. And they, along with the Jewish leaders, just began to seek out a plan and a time and a way that they could do away with Jesus. We see there, don't we, beloved, the ugliness of the human heart, the most beautiful the most loving, the most truth-speaking, the most strong and yet gentle person who's ever lived, the Lord Jesus Christ, here in the flesh. And all the religious leaders of Israel and the Roman authorities had in mind was to kill him. But it says the common people, they heard him gladly, and the outcasts just flocked to him, and he'd sit down at the table and eat with them. This man receives sinners and eats with them. And he did. But there was a great variety of views about who Jesus was. There there still is. Not everybody's going to take communion today in this world. If the world was right, everybody would pause on this Lord's day. And they would say, everything else must pause. And we're going to take some time and we're going to find somewhere where they're remembering Jesus. And we're going to have a time of memorial for who he is and what he did. But the world is so full of madness that they can't stop for an hour. They've got to make more money. They've got to pursue more pleasure. They've got to take a drive. Or they've got to play around. Or they've got to do something with their life or their possessions Because Jesus is just not very important to them. So there's still a division in this world because of Jesus. We're here today in this place, gathered around this table, and in just a minute we're going to preach the gospel by taking a piece of bread and taking a cup. And we're going to say, Jesus died for me. His blessed body was broken just like he broke that bread and gave it to the disciples and said, now take this and eat it and do it in remembrance of me. I'm about to do something for you. Don't ever forget what I'm going to do for you. And he gave them this way that they could tangibly, with their senses, they could see it and hear it and taste it and smell it and handle it. And it would help them not to forget the most important thing they must never forget. The cross of Jesus The Savior lifted up, dying, that we who are lost and undone and hell-bound could be totally forgiven and come back to the Father by faith in this perfect one. So not everybody will worship him today. 
Not everybody will sing his praises as we have done today. Don't get the big head. Don't say, yeah, we're something, aren't we? We're, we're a cut above. We've gathered. We're singing. We're going to take communion. We're worshiping. Boy, aren't we something? Wrong conclusion. We say, God be praised. He took our blind eyes and he opened them to help us to see reality, to see that Jesus is why we're here. All things were made by him and for him, Colossians 1.16. And if all things were made by Jesus and for Jesus, then only in relationship to Jesus does life make sense because it was made for him. And if we try to live life and he's not at the center of it, uh, life is a great uh, disappointment and a great riddle that we can never figure out unless he's central because it was made by him and for him. Some said he's a prophet, for he spoke with great insight and great penetration. He spoke with authority, and he spoke with clarity, and he didn't apologize, and he didn't hem-haw around, he didn't try to tickle ears and please everybody. He did what the old country preacher said, he reared back and let it fly, and yet he wasn't harsh, he wasn't hateful. He didn't abuse people. He was, by his own description, Matthew 11, 29, he was gentle and lowly. And if he finds one that's broken like a bruised reed, you know, what can you do with that little reed? It's it's bent. It's got a crook in it. It's got a crease in it now. It can be good for nothing. You just snap it off and throw it away. But Jesus saw people like bruised reeds and it says the bruised reed he would not break. Somehow with divine power he would fix that bruised reed and he could once again do something with it. And that wick that had burned down and was just filling the house with smoke, there was no light, it was of no benefit, no use. It was a burned out life. Just smoking, just remnants of what could have been. It says that smoking wick he would not extinguish. He wouldn't put it out. Somehow with divine grace, he would fan it and fuel it with love. And somehow that smoldering wick would, would burn again. and would give off light. This is the kind of Savior he is. Not just was, but is. He was like a prophet. Yes, indeed. He spoke God's word. But some said, no, he's more than just a prophet. He's the Christ. And they got it right, didn't they? They got that right. He was the Christ, the anointed one. What do you say of him today? For that is really the issue, the issue that will matter in 10 million years or 10,000 years. Uh, The other stuff that we fuss and fight about will be footnotes in human history in many years. But this is the issue. This is the essential issue Is Jesus Christ precious to you? Peter said, to you who believe, he is precious, 1 Peter 2, 7. But to those who are disobedient, he's just a stumbling stone. He's just in their way, and they want him out of the way, and they just stumble over him. But to those who believe on him, he's like a foundation stone, and we stand upon him, and we build upon him, and he will never let us go, and he will never fail us, and he's precious to his people. But to those who don't know him, he's just a stumbling stone in our self-occupied way. Get out of our way. We don't want to hear about it. 
We don't want to consider your claims. You're in our way. You're hindering us from doing our thing. There's still a division among the people because of Jesus, isn't there? There are believers and there are unbelievers. By his grace, we've been redeemed. We believe because he has graciously worked in our hearts. We don't get credit for that. Are you trying to take credit? You want credit? That's the wrong thing to do, isn't it? To grasp for credit, to take even just a little bit of credit. All credit from start to finish goes to the triune God. The Father who planned salvation and sent His Son. The Son who came and died at that awful death to pay for our sin. And then ascended back to the Father. And then the Father and Son send the Spirit. And the Spirit, like the wind, blows where it wills. And He blows on your life. And He blew on mine. And he, we couldn't fully explain it, but we said something's different. Something happened. I understand. I see now. Some, it's like somebody flipped the switch and the light came on. And my old dead heart came alive. And I didn't know before, but now I know that I know. And I was once blind, but now I see. And he saved that awful wretch like me with his amazing grace, John Newton said. And we say, amen, Brother John. It is amazing grace that would save a wretch like me. All glory to the triune God. He is the Christ. Some believe, some don't believe. The internet's a wonderful thing, and yet it's an awful thing. It's a tool that can be implemented for good, and yet it's an awful, an awful thing that destroys lives. It's a platform for scoffers to get on there and blaspheme God worldwide. Who would have thought? There have been atheists for since the fall. In Genesis 3, there have been scoffers and skeptics and mockers and atheists. But now they can tell the whole world of their scoffing and their hatred of God in the forums and in the comments and on their channel. They make fun of this book. We love the Word. It is that honey on our tongue as a little child and their eyes light up because it's so sweet. And Daddy is teaching that there's something better still, son. It's the sweetness of God's promises. God has told us who he is. And he's told us in a way we can understand. He came down and spoke our language, as it were, so that we can understand. He gave us illustrations and metaphors so that we can see something of who this infinite God is. And yet many just hear it and laugh and belittle and mock and, and hate. The hate just spills over against a God they say doesn't exist. Why do you spend energy hating a God who doesn't exist? Because they know He exists and they resent Him for it. Some today will boast in their foolishness in their great riches, in their human strength, in their physique, their figure. Oh, look, she's a successful person. He's a successful man. Look at him. How can you tell by looking at him? How can you tell? That's just their 
outward appearance. That doesn't tell the whole truth. Well, obviously, look at it. They got everything going. Well, let's ask a few questions and see if they do. Do they know the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, if that answer is no, we, we should fall and weep over their poor soul. They have nothing together. They have nothing in place. They are to be pitied, wept over, evangelized. If we can share the gospel with them, they may have everything outwardly, but they're bankrupt and they're a heartbeat away from an eternal hell. And yet I see today some chosen people of God, some nobodies. Paul said, you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty men, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish, the weak, the nobodies, the low, the unimpressive, so that nobody could boast in his presence. And so the common people heard him gladly, and common people will come in a moment and gather around this table, and we will say, I don't boast in wealth or strength or human wisdom. I boast in a crucified and resurrected Lord who alone has merit, who gives his righteous and his holy merit to those who believe on him so that one day we will stand before God unashamed and uncondemned. There are sheep and goats, Jesus said. Sheep on his right hand will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servants. Come share my joy with me. Inherit this kingdom that was prepared for you before the foundation of the world. The goats will hear him say, depart from me. I never knew you. There's a division in this world. Believers and unbelievers. Sheep, goats. Children of the light and children of darkness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He is the light. And his light pierces our darkness and he overwhelms our darkness and turns us from children of darkness into children of light. And we're to walk in the light. There are, turn over to John 8, 44. John 8, 44. Just crystal clear here, this passage speaks of this great division between children of Satan and children of God. John 8, 44. He says to some very religious people, by the way, it's not that these were atheists, these were religious leaders of the Jewish nation. And he says to them, as they confront him and challenge him, instead of welcoming his words as if they were precious words, they argued with him. They wanted to bait him. They wanted to find fault with everything he said. And he says to them, Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinces me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God hears God's words. You therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. So Jesus is there telling them the truth, and they won't believe him. And Satan lies to him 
all the time and they do his will. You've got the division. The children of Satan, the children of God, the children of the darkness, the children of the light. Paul says we, we preach the gospel and it's the same gospel. We preach to Jews and the Jews say this doesn't compute. A Messiah crucified? And it says the gospel is a stumbling block to the Jews. Our Messiah won't be crucified. Our Messiah will come and with a mighty arm, he'll overthrow these Roman occupiers. He'll drive out these Roman pigs. This was the Jews' attitude. We long for the Messiah. The Messiah will come and break this heavy yoke of Rome off of us and drive them out of our land given to our father Abraham. And Jesus comes not to set up the throne of David. He comes to overthrow sin. He will, at his second advent, take the government on his shoulders and put down all enemies. But at his first coming, he didn't come to declare war on the Romans. He came to declare war against Satan, and he crushed his head. And he disarmed demons. He stripped them of their power by making men and women spotless in the sight of God so that Satan no longer had any claim or any accusation that would work against them. He stripped them of their power. Blessed be his name. Amen. But Paul says, we preach the gospel to the Jews and it's a stumbling block. A crucified Messiah doesn't work in their framework. We preach the gospel to the Greeks. And the Greeks say, God in a body? God is too holy and high and pure to take a human body. The divine doesn't mix with the human. And then a resurrection after a crucifixion? Ha, that's foolishness, the Greeks said. All that was foolishness. Deity and humanity mixing. In their mind, I'm using the word mixing. That's not the right theological term. Two natures in one glorious person was our Lord Jesus Christ, fully divine and fully human. But to them, that was unthinkable. And a shameful crucifixion and then a resurrection. They didn't believe in the resurrection. So to the Greeks, the gospel was foolishness. And to the Jews, it was a stumbling block. And here's what Paul said. But to those who are called, Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and Christ is the wisdom of God. This is how we see him, isn't it? We don't stumble over him and, and oh, sometimes our, our faith is little. Sometimes we're, we're, we're very weak. We say, oh, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. But we run to him. We don't run from him. We don't throw up our arguments against him. We bow down and we say, Lord, give me wisdom. Teach me here. I, I'm, I'm confused. Teach me from your word. May the light of your word shine and give me understanding. A Christian is one who has ceased arguing with God. Amen. A Christian is one who has ceased arguing with God about his life. And he's run up the white flag. I surrender, Lord. I'm not Lord and I don't know, but you do and you're good and I'm going to just trust you. And we find in surrender, we win. We bow down in submission and surrender to this one who loved us and died and rose and we find out we're not the loser thereby. We're the eternal gainer, gaining eternal things. Amen. There was a division. 
The children of Israel came out of Egypt. And it says they were guided from Egypt to the Red Sea by a cloud and a pillar of fire. And they got to the Red Sea and it says the pillar of the cloud and the angel of the Lord who went with them came and got behind them and separated them from the Egyptians who were pursuing so that the Israelites could cross the Red Sea and so that the Egyptians could be held back. And it says that angel of the Lord and that pillar was darkness to the Egyptians, but it was light to the Israelites. And there was a division. His presence to us is light and it's good and it's our supreme treasure. Take the world, but give me Jesus, the songwriter says. All this life is but a, all its charm is but a name. This whole world has its trinkets and treasures and charms. It's just a name. It's just called that. It's not real. We'll see that just as soon as we step over on the other side, we'll get wisdom we've never had before. And we'll see things so clearly then. We see him now clearly. We see him in his word. Paul said, this gospel that I preach has an aroma to it. And some go, and they say, that smells like life. And Paul says, it's a savor of life unto life. They, they savor it. it they, they understand it to be life that leads to life. And some hear that same gospel and they go, smells like death to me. I see nothing there. And he says that same gospel that is to some life unto life is to them an aroma of death to death. And that's where their journey will end in eternal death. And so we as believers go out into this world with compassion and with tears and with our hearts full of gospel truth and we seek to witness and share and preach and teach and talk and write and to as many people as we can to get this wonderful message of Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He saves sinners. Will you come? Will you come? Will you have him? He'll be yours if you'll have him. You can get in on this. He will not turn you away. If you come, he will take you. Though you're ruined, though you're a mess, though you've blown it a 10,000 ways, if you will come, he will change you. He will forgive you. He will claim you as his. Perhaps there's uh, somebody that'll hear this message live stream or later or maybe some in, in this room even. And right now in your heart, God is birthing. He, is, he has given you by the power of his spirit, unseen by my eyes or anyone else's, there is something in your heart going on and God is bringing you from death to life. And you can take communion in just a minute if you are trusting Christ this day. Maybe happening right now. I think I may hear the wind blowing as the word is preached. As Jesus is lifted up, perhaps the spirit is going to move in your heart today. You say, well, I'm... I've got a lot of questions, and the Word of God has your answers, and it'll be a lifetime of pursuit finding them. But your main answer is this, how can you be right with God? That's the question. The answer is by believing on His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ.
Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, said the apostle to the Philippian jailer. And whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, said the apostle to the Romans. And he who believes on him will not be put to shame. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It will not be in vain. And so as we come now to this wonderful moment, bow with me for prayer, please. If you know yourself to be a great sinner, do you hear me? We're great. We're great. You know what's great about us? We're great sinners. <laughs> and so that doesn't flatter us at all, does it? But it's the truth. Warren Wiersbe used to say, the only great thing about people is they're great sinners. And he based it on Genesis 6, 5. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And God sent the flood. And yet Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We say, I'm a great sinner, but I have a great Savior in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you know that, and that is your confession, that is your belief, you may say, praise God. Jesus saves sinners like me. Jesus receives the messed up like me, the confused like me. If I will come to him, he will have me. Will you have him? Will you call on him? If you don't, it will be your utter ruin one day. If you do, it will be your eternal bliss, both throughout this life and in the life to come. I recommend him to you today with the highest recommendation, without qualification, without caveat, without lawyer talk at the bottom. I say, look to the Lord Jesus Christ, lifted up on a cross for sinners bearing the awful punishment that your sin deserves, paying in full for all who would ever believe on him, rising from the dead to prove what he did was enough, going back to the Father and leaving the door open, you may come. There's one door. Which side of the door are you on? Are you inside or outside? A door divides the house. It divides the room. Which side of the door are you on, sir, ma'am? Come in. Come on in. Don't stand there. Come on in. Come to Jesus. Father, thank you that this day you are saving sinners. That this is the day of salvation. That the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. But we must let go of these false idols that we cling to and that we think commends us to you, whether it's our good name, our morality, our good intentions, our background, our family accomplishments. We must see ourselves as the great sinner in need of a great Savior, and in Christ we find the great Savior that we so desperately need. Make it ring true today in some dear one's heart. Hit the bullseye of their heart, Lord, with Holy Spirit power in such a way that they would say, I'm a new person, I'm a new creature. I can't fully understand it, but the power of God in the gospel came to me today.
and that they could have their first, maybe first communion here with, as a believer. Or maybe, Lord, this will be just a, a time when your people come back yet again to this wonderful ordinance that you have commanded and ordained for the church. As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And so what a joy to do this today. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.